0: an amazing relationship isn't free but the cost isn't probably as high as you think it is when your relationships are great it impacts every other aspect of your life for the better your health your mental health finances the amount of sex that you're having the amount of fulfillment you feel on a day-to-day basis and then how you feel about your life looking back at the end of your life like the satisfaction that you have is much much higher you have less regrets than if you were to have miserable unhealthy relationships
1: This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I'm excited to introduce to you badass business owner, Nate Bagley. Nate is on a mission in life to rid the world of mediocre love. He's a marriage researcher, an educator, and host of the Growth Marriage podcast, as well as a kick-ass Growth Marriage YouTube channel. And I am just so excited to share this conversation with you where we are going to talk about what's possible for you and your relationships and how that plays a role in the success of your business. We're going to talk about when to invest time and energy into making your relationship more energizing and more fulfilling. What to do when you want to work on your relationship but your partner may not be that interested and so much more. This is not on the usual topic of this podcast and yet it is critical to the success of your business. So I hope you enjoy. Buckle up, here we go. You moved to Costa Rica?
0: Yeah, like a week ago. So Why? this is my first this is my first like conversation like this since since we moved. Why did we move? Um, many, many reasons. It, the short answer is, it was just the best move for our family right now. My wife has been a nurse during COVID, and oh, she my also God. was she also was pregnant and had a baby during that time. And oh. um, on top of that, we're going we're going through a bit of like a faith transition of sorts. And we were both raised to be very religious in a very Mormon community. And we were basically living in the Vatican of Mormonism, and so getting some distance from home and family and community to kind of figure out where we're at and who we want to be. um, Like all of those things kind of came together in a cocktail, and I finally convinced my wife to quit her job, and that was like the catalyst to not necessarily needing to stay where we were living. And we were like, "Hey, if we could live anywhere in the world right now, where would we want to live?" And We'd been joking for a long time about moving to Costa Rica, and so we looked into it, and within two weeks, we'd found a place to live, and we'd found people to rent our house, and then we had no excuses. So we're like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's have an adventure. So here we are.
1: Good for you. Yeah. Well, congratulations on taking those huge leaps. So how many how many kids do you have now?
0: One small human named Aurora. Oh,
1: that's your first child? Yep. Oh my gosh. Congra- during COVID? Yeah. You had your first kid? <laughs> Gee, actually, that's kind of a perfect time to have a
0: an infant. Yeah, it was it was can't uh, go anywhere. Yeah, it it was kind of nice to be honest with you. Nice for me, I think it challenged for the wife. So
1: sure, I think of you as such a family man, and I just picture you with multiple children.
0: Yeah, one day maybe.
1: Kid, oh congratulations! She's the sweetest. Aw.
0: well, Well, good for you. Thanks. How are you? you?
1: I'm also great. I'm still in Brooklyn.
0: I was wondering I if you're still in New Brooklyn York and stuff. Yeah, yeah great.
1: I I feel like I'm an adventurous type, but I mm-hmm. have strong roots here.
0: <laughs> you know what though, living in New York is an adventure. That's one of the only cities that just being there, it's like it it may not feel like it anymore cuz you've been there for so long, but for the rest of the world, New York it's a doggy dog place. Like you have to be an adventurer to live there and make uh, it.
1: I know no other place as home, right? I've been yeah. here my entire life. So, I've yeah, gone to so many that. places, but I just uh you know, I don't get the awesome pizza at two o'clock in the morning, but I want it to be there. Yeah, <laughs> just in I case I want it. Yeah, I want all the stuff. So, well, geez, Nate, we have so much to talk about. I've known you, or we knew each other like so long ago, actually through Iman, who I had mm-hmm. on the podcast recently. Oh, that very nice cool to reconnect with Iman. Um, and uh, and as we were chatting, I was just like, you know what? This isn't the kind of person that I would normally think to have on this podcast, but this is squarely, absolutely smack dab in the middle of what I am sharing with people, which is strategies on how to be the boss of your business. And as somebody who works with my husband, I know, and I say this a lot to people because I feel like it's taboo, man, you got to work on your relationship all the time (laughs) if you want to have a successful business.
0: Yeah, nothing will affect your business more for the better or for the worse than the quality of your relationship. Like if your if your partner doesn't trust you or if they're not supportive of, of you and your endeavors, if if you don't if you don't feel like you're on the same page, if your business is causing tension in your relationship, it's just gonna drag your business down. And as opposed to if your partner, if you have a great relationship and they're supportive and they're involved and you know, they believe in you and they're inspired by what you're doing and they're encouraging then it's just like sometimes that's the only fuel that you need is having somebody like that your number one fan as you know your partner believing in you to, to make it work and to make it successful so I think you know people gloss over it and they don't talk about relationships in business or marriage specifically like long-term romantic relationships as a part of business but I think if you're in a long-term relationship it has a dramatic direct impact on your business whether you want it to or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you are this marriage growth expert. How did you get into this space?
0: Oh it's such a weird story. Yeah. So about a decade ago, I was single and frustrated because none of my relationships were working out. And I cannot tell you how many times I would like date a girl and then I'd break up with her and then within a few months she'd be engaged and married to some other Guy And I'd be like, what the heck? Like, (laughs) I'm the good luck Chuck. You know, I, there's, there's obviously something wrong with me because these other guys are marrying these, these women. So the women are obviously marriage material. And I wanted to eventually, you know, fall in love and have a family. You said at the beginning of the show that I'm a family guy. And that's been instilled in me from a very young age. So I needed to figure out what I was doing wrong that was making my relationships fail over and over again. So, essentially, what I did, I did something kind of dramatic. Which I'm a, I'm a, an adventurous person at heart. I Clearly,
1: up, <laughs> he says, I calling uh, from his new apartment in Costa, Rica. in Costa Rica. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I ended up quitting my job. And I did a cross country road trip around the United States with a friend of mine. Her name's Melissa. And we interviewed just countless couples about that were happy happily married couples and we tried to figure out what is the thing that they do that separates their relationship from everybody else like what are the things that they were doing right that I was not doing or completely getting wrong and my hope was that by studying the bright spots by studying the successful couples that I would start to glean some insights and be able to change my own relationship patterns so that I could have like the my second worst nightmare was that I would never find the love of my life my first worst nightmare was that I would fall in love and then that the relationship would fall to pieces because i'm a firm believer that being single and happy is better than being married or in a relationship and miserable so the ideal is like you're with somebody and you're blissfully happy so that was what i was aiming for here how do i how do i find the right person and then not screw it up and and more than that but make it really something remarkable and not something that I just had to tolerate for the rest of my life so that's that's how I got started I started seeking out answers to these questions and then as I found the answers and shared them like via a podcast or my my writing people started to go oh my gosh I've been having these same questions and I kind of got addicted to addicted maybe a strong word but I, I found a lot of joy and fulfillment in helping people solve these um, really common and misunderstood relationship problems
1: and I Remember is that the Love You Mentory?
0: Yeah, that was the original name was the Love you Mentory. And so I, I did a rebrand a couple years ago. Um, oh that was yeah, the brand that of your was company. The, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well it was the name of the podcast. It was the name of everything that I did was under the guise of the Love you But uh, I mean this is a business podcast, so we can talk business. One of the one of the things that I realized using that name is that people saw me as a storyteller. You know, because it was like a mashup of love and documentary. And it got to the point where I wanted to be known for more than just being a storyteller. I wanted to be known as an expert and somebody who had the knowledge and resources to help people. And the name that I had chosen for my podcast and for my company was, in a way, kind of holding me back. You know, I'd talk to old friends and they'd be like, oh, are you still doing that like documentary thing? And I'm like, no, I do so much more than that now. So I felt like a rebrand was a, was appropriate. So So
1: that's when you branded, rebranded to marriage growth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Growth, growth, marriage, growth, marriage, growth, marriage. Yeah. It's that's, that's the theme is that it's
1: memorable and it's clear and there's no question what it is. I think it's a great name.
0: Thanks. That means a lot coming from you.
1: Tell me you're not a psychologist. No, you're not a therapist. No, you have built all of this expertise through your experience with this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fucking awesome. Thanks. Like, I really yeah. love and admire that. And, you know, I talk a lot about building authority mm-hmm. on this podcast and, you know, in, in general. And, you know, it's there's a lot of people out there fronting like their authorities on things that they're not. Yeah. And I always tell people, you can become an authority on anything. You just have Absolutely. to go really deep on it. Yeah. And I'm of the opinion, especially in this day and age, that anyone can go deep on anything and especially when you're sharing information and I love, um, I was checking out some of your YouTube videos. I love that you bring experts in and it's like, you're reading all of this content and you're basically, tell me if I'm wrong, but my impression is that you're kind of like, you're like the, not that you're not an expert, but like, you're like the every man's voice yeah. for all of yeah. this stuff. You're like yeah. translating it for us <laughs> and you're definitely an expert. Like you have done all the work. So I, I, and I think that's what's cool.
0: So I guess a couple things here. So I, I definitely would consider myself an expert. So if you think of, of like a doctor or a surgeon, they typically deal with, with patients when they're in crisis mode, when the pain or discomfort that they're in or the illness that they're dealing with has gotten so uncomfortable that they, they desperately are seeking a solution. And that's kind of what a therapist does, is they help couples when their relationship has gotten into crisis mode. And I realized pretty early on that that's not necessarily what I wanted to spend my life doing was helping couples in crisis mode. I wanted to help couples More in the prevention space. Like I wanted to be like a really good personal trainer who helped helped uh, people eat right and exercise regularly and you know create healthy habits so they never had to go deal go to the doctor for a diabetes problem or a heart disease problem or something like that. So that's kind of what I do is I I educate people. I I I train people in the art of relationships so that they can have the tools and the resources and the blueprint to have a a really awesome relationship. And I think my specialty is. Being able to sit down and kind of filter through all the psychobabble that therapists use and researchers use and turn, um, these principles and these discoveries and this research that they've discovered into like every man's talk. I can, I can teach a principle or tell a story that makes people understand a concept, um, much better than they would if they were reading a research paper or even a relationship book.
1: So, and that's what's most important because it doesn't yeah. matter the information's out there; it's whether or not it's resonating with somebody so that they're yeah. going to take action. And that's what yeah. you're doing. You're you're making it resonate so we can take Absolutely.
0: action. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite marketing principles is that if you, the person who can. Um, most accurately speak to somebody's or describe somebody's problem, their customer's problem, they're automatically assumed to have the best solution. So if you can basically describe, tell, tell your partner or not your partner, excuse me, if you can tell your, your customer, the problem, that they are dealing with without them ever telling you anything about them and their situation. And they're like, Oh my gosh, how did you know you're in my brain? They're automatically going to assume, Oh my, then you obviously have the best solution for me. You, you know how to get me out of this pickle. You know how to get me the results that I want to get. And the same is true in any industry. And essentially what I've done is I've studied the relationship space and studied the masters and the experts in relationships so well that I can sit down with a couple and basically describe to them their negative patterns or the problems that they're dealing with or the frustrations that they're having. And more often than not, they'll go, Oh, okay. Wow. I didn't realize that you knew us without even knowing us. What do we need to do now? Like they, once you tell them their own story, it's very common for them to go, okay, yeah, this, this makes sense. And now I need to trust you because you can obviously help us if you know what we're going, what we're dealing with here. And so that's, that's kind of what I've tried to focus on is learning to tell people's stories back to them. And I think, By doing that, it's really helped me carve out a niche in this space.
1: That's very interesting, and so that means that you're really working with people who they're not necessarily struggling, but everyone has, right? I mean, everybody (laughs) everybody struggles. Yeah, struggles. But but they're but they're going towards something. They want something more. And and would you on your on your entire journey, both your road trip and all of the work you've done since? Have you found that anyone can be in a really happy marriage without actively working towards it?
0: No, absolutely not. So there's actually research that shows this. One of my favorite researchers, Dr. John Gottman, he he talks about the scientific principle of entropy. And the idea of entropy is that nature in general is always in a constant state of degradation. And he said in any closed system, that's like entropy exists and marriage is a closed system. It's just a relationship system instead of like a nature system. But he basically says if you do nothing in your marriage other than not screwing things up, things will still generally get worse over time. You have to be proactively doing regular things to make your relationship better to combat that relationship entropy that kind of degrades your relationship over time.
1: John Gottman, he wrote Getting the Love You Want.
0: I believe he did. And he wrote The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, which is Ooh, I don't know that. one of the most popular relationship books of all time. He's he's, he's written probably like really? 15, 20 books. He's, very, he's the guy that can predict divorce with like a 90% accuracy watching okay. couples argue for like 10 minutes.
1: Okay. So that's fascinating. So everybody hear that? <laughs> if you're not actively <laughs> working on making your marriage better, it's going to naturally kind of wither.
0: <laughs> yeah. And this is the problem that I'm trying to help people solve. So if you want, I, I can yeah. literally describe to you my ideal customer and you can see kind of this, this whole story. So the ideal person to come and talk to me is typically somebody in their mid thirties to mid fifties. They are married. Uh, most often they have kids. And more often than not, they're going through a life transition. They've had a couple of kids and they're realizing that their relationship is maybe losing that spark that they once had or they're approaching retirement and their kids have moved out and they they're empty nesters now they feel like the the spark is dying they feel like they're not communicating as well as they used to most of what they're talking about is like logistics or their kid's life who's picking up billy from soccer practice they're not kissing as much or as passionately as they used to Uh, they might find themselves being a little bit more short tempered with each other and wondering oh my gosh why am i being such a jerk right now like i'm i'm notice that they're not being as kind and giving each other the benefit of the doubt like they used to there's a lack of like friendship they don't they're not going on a lot of dates together and when they are it's kind of the same old thing maybe the same dinner in a movie the same restaurant there's not a lot of novelty in their life they might be having sex regularly but the sex isn't great it's not very connecting and oftentimes couples in the situation are having obligatory like duty sex and that's no fun especially the women tend to feel exhausted overwhelmed frustrated a little bit resentful on the on the edges of burnout and the men tend to feel unappreciated they tend to feel taken for granted they tend to feel like doesn't really matter what they do they're not going to get a a victory or get acknowledged for their efforts they're kind of starting to feel frustrated like it's not even worth their effort to, to invest anymore these guys often turn into workaholics they spend a lot of time looking at pornography or watching sports or playing video games And essentially trying to escape the the perpetual issues that come up and the the stupid petty arguments that are starting to creep into their relationship. And they realize if we don't do something to kind of change the direction of this pattern, we're going to end up divorced like our parents or like our friends. Or we're going to end up stuck in a relationship that's not fulfilling for either one of us. And that's they're not necessarily in crisis yet, but they can feel the storm coming. That's the story I tell over and over again. And if any of that resonates with you, it's like, oh, okay. The inevitable future, like if things continue uh, un- undeterred the way that they're going right now, if there's not an intervention or something that changes this pattern, the, the future looks kind of bleak if you, if you let yourself think about it.
1: Jeez. So what do you do when these people
0: contact you? I try and give them some hope that making a change is not that hard. The analogy I've been using lately that I really enjoy is if you've ever been house shopping, like you get on Zillow and scroll through the listings, even if just for fun, you you know, you just want to see what kind of homes are in your area or you're like, oh, what would it look like to live in Costa Rica? You know, (laughs) you jump on and you start scrolling through the listings and it's really easy to tell. What a dream, what home you could totally see yourself living in and which homes you would never be caught dead in. You know, sometimes you get to a, a listing and it's like, oh my gosh, what were they thinking? That kitchen is so small. The wallpaper is hideous. The floor pan plan like is not intuitive at all. It's just a disaster of a house. I could never live there. And then sometimes you get to a home and you're like, oh my gosh, that is Gorgeous. Like, I love what they did. I love the design. I love everything about it. Because you have like a set of preferences and values and desires, it's really easy to like lock in and know whether a house fits into that a set of preferences, desires, and and values or not. And I feel like the same is true with relationships. Like you watch a movie, you see a couple at a restaurant on a date together, you know, you you hang out with some friends and watch them interact, and you can spot pretty quickly the behaviors that you want as a part of your relationship and the behaviors that you don't. Like, you can look at a relationship and be like, oh my gosh, that couple's so cute. Look, they're in their 60s and they're still holding hands and kissing in public and they're sharing an ice cream cone. It's like, I want to have that one day. Or look at how patient they were during that conflict. You know, they were so understanding of one another. They gave each other the benefit of the doubt. That's awesome. I want that in my relationship. Or, oh my gosh, did you see how he treated her? I would divorce you if you ever treated me that way. Like we, we know the behaviors that we want and that we don't want in our relationship. But if we go back to the house analogy, and if I gave you, you know, uh, all the tools, like the the carpet and the cement and the the drywall and the paint and the the roof. Uh, tiles and like everything that you needed to build a house from scratch. And I just gave it to you with a bunch of tools. My guess is if I left you there for a year, I would come back and you still wouldn't have your dream dream home erected. You might have something, but it wouldn't look anything like your own dream home. And I think the same is true with relationships. We all, you might have really good taste. Just like you have good taste when you're house shopping, you have good taste in relationships. You have a, you know what you want. Like you have a clear set of desires, a clear set of values. Like you know what you're aspiring towards. But unless somebody's shown you how to build that with the tools and the resources that you have, the likelihood of you just stumbling upon uh, your dream relationship or accidentally creating it with your partner is very, very small. So what I like to do is I like to show couples the blueprint that they can follow to create the relationship that they want. And if that involves knocking out a few walls or, you know, choosing some new paint or even scraping down to the foundation and rebuilding, what I've learned is that every fulfilling, happy, like awesome relationship is built on the same basic blueprint. And then each couple customizes the relationship after they kind of get those foundational elements into place. And getting that blueprint into place is not that hard. When I teach people that principle, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. Like, mm-hmm. I can spot a beautiful house when I see one, but I don't necessarily need to know how to build it. And the same is true with relationships. I can spot a beautiful, a beautiful one, one that's desirable to me when I see one, but nobody's ever taught me how to build one like that on my own. So.
1: Is this possible for any relationship? Like, what does it take for this to work? I mean, you need two willing partners,
0: you know, you, you can't create a relationship on your own, you can definitely change a relationship on your own, like a relationship is a dynamic, a system involving two people. And uh, it only takes one person to kind of change the dance or change that the way that things are operating. But in order to have a truly awesome relationship, you kind of have to have two willing participants. And then as long as they're willing to Learn that framework, learn that blueprint, and do a li- make a little effort in on an ongoing basis. Uh, they do what Doctor John Gottman calls the small things done often. Those those are the things that make the difference in your relationship. And um, as long as you're willing to invest in doing those small things, like everybody has access to an, the possibility of an incredible relationship. That's my belief.
1: You know, I, I work with a lot of people where they own their own business. And they're not working with their partner. And when you own your own business, if you're really dedicated to building your business, I think you'd agree. We're both people who seek a lot of personal growth. We work on ourselves. We learn like all of that. I think that, you know, to get a business anywhere, you have to be doing some of that work. But I know a lot of people where their partner isn't necessarily in the same mindset. There are some people who have never even considered like seeing a therapist, like doing anything that helps their own mental health. Do you ever have people come to you where they're the one who wants to do all of this because they're kind of growth minded and their partner isn't? And do you ever like help them first?
0: That's most of my clients, like most of the oh, people yeah. who work with me are in, are in that position. You know, there's a handful of people who are like, we're both in this together, but I get a lot of outreach from people who are like, I want to do this, but my partner's dragging their feet or they're avoiding. And that's a really common and really normal relationship dynamic is to have one person who's like trying to put in the effort and fix things and make things better. And the other person who's kind of avoiding the confrontation, avoiding the conflict, avoiding uh, facing things that might be really uncomfortable to them. And I mean, part of this is understanding the dynamic and, and the purpose of marriage, most of us get married for the wrong reasons and then we have to learn to stay married for the right reasons. That's a concept I learned from Dr. David Schnarch, who's an amazing therapist and researcher. And the idea that he's trying to communicate here is that when you fall in love, typically you fall in love with your partner because of the way they make you feel. You know, they laugh at your jokes. They think you're attractive. You know, they listen to your stories and they think you're interesting. They make you feel understood. You know, they have fun with you. They flirt with you. And you, when you're with them, you just get this rush of endorphins and pleasure chemicals in your brain and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. I feel so good around them. And they're feeling the same way about you. So you get married and you're like, all right, let's do this. Let's let's make each other feel good forever. And then you get into an argument or you don't see eye to eye on something or your partner has a bad day and speaks to you in kind of a short Type Like a, a, an impatient tone of voice or they criticize you or they point out one of your flaws in public and you get embarrassed. You know, something inevitably happens that makes you realize, oh, my gosh, my partner and I don't always see eye to eye on everything and they don't always make me feel good. As a matter of fact, they have the power to make me feel really bad about myself. But what, what you learned in the beginning of the relationship, it was to develop what Dr. Schnarch calls a borrowed sense of self, which basically means you start to rely on your partner for all those feel-good emotions. So you rely on them to validate your opinions, you rely on them to like reinforce that you're a good partner, that you're a good husband or wife, that you're pretty, that you're funny, that you're interesting. You know, You rely on them to make you feel better when you're feeling crappy, to reassure you when you're feeling, anxious. And when you become overly reliant on your partner to do those things for you uh, and they stop doing them, then it sends your life into crisis. And what you have to learn is like the, the, the gift of marriage is that you get the opportunity to learn to give those things for yourself and not be dependent on your partner to get those things. What I would typically say to somebody in that position, who's like, Oh, I want to do the work and my partner doesn't is great. Then do the work. Like, more often than not the partner who doesn't want to do the work and who's resisting the reason one of the key reasons that they're resisting is they they know that even subconsciously the reason their partner's trying to get them to go to therapy or get them to read an article or get them to listen to a podcast or to do a course with them is because they want to show them like see you're the problem you're the reason that these things are not working out you're at fault here you're making me miserable and nobody wants to the person that they love to be the source of pointing out all their insecurities and failings and shortcomings like that's, it's not, it's not fun. And so I think part of the problem that we have is that we, nobody's really been taught how to make the work of a relationship seem like a win-win. Like, how, how can you position us going to therapy as being a win for both of us? Like, how can you position us taking a workshop or going to taking a course or working with, with me? How can you position this to your partner as something that will benefit their life as well? Because marriage is one of the few infinite games that we play in life. So a, f- a finite game is like the game of football or Monopoly or, you know, most of the games that we play in life or watch are are finite games. They have uh, a clear beginning and a clear ending. There's a, a clear set of rules that all the players adhere to. And at the end of the game, there's a winner and there's a loser. Now, an infinite game is very different. An infinite game, there's... The goal of the game is to perpetuate the game, to like keep it going as long as possible. And the players set the rules and can change them at any time. And the object of the game isn't to win or to lose. The object of the game is to create mutual enjoyment for as many people who are partic- participating in the game as possible. And so business is uh, is an infinite game, you know, and marriage is an infinite game. And the idea, if you can approach marriage from the perspective of, hey, how can we set this, this game up? so that it goes on for as long as possible, both of us have as much fun and enjoyment as possible, and we get to change the rules whenever they're not working for us, like that makes marriage way more interesting of a dynamic. And so if your partner is resisting investing in the relationship, it's probably because the relationship isn't mutually enjoyable. They're either getting something out of the relationship that they don't want to let go of, and they're afraid that if they let go of it, then they're going to be miserable or they're already so miserable that they don't want to be even more miserable than they are. And so when you can kind of start communicating to your partner what's in it for them, what they will get out of it, how they'll get more mutual enjoyment out of it and that it's not just for you to prove to them that they're a problem. I think you're going to see a, a maybe a less growth minded person be more willing to jump on board with taking some action and, and getting more involved and invested.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So then the the first step, if you want more of this, you want more joy, joy and enjoyment out of your marriage and your partner is not so into it
0: mm-hmm. is to
1: just start doing the work yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately uh, one of the first steps is learning uh, about your own anxieties. I've been studying anxiety a lot these last couple of years and I'm learning that almost. So much of our behavior is driven by anxiety, and most of the time we don't even realize it. So some people, when they feel anxious about their relationship, the first thing that they do is they turn to a book, a podcast, an expert, and they want to figure out a solution to the problem. And other people, when they feel anxious, they want to hide from the problem and pretend it doesn't exist. And oftentimes, these these people find each other and marry each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why are and, they attracted to each other? Yeah, because they're that
0: polar opposite? I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, but it's, it's called, this is called attachment style. And you have a, oftentimes an anxious person who's, who's married to an avoidant person and they basically are a perfect match for each other. You know, the avoidant person is the perfect challenge for the anxious person that if I can just convince my avoidant partner to love me, then I know that I've like, that I'm, that I'm lovable. And the avoidant partner like can oftentimes avoid enough that the anxious partner will just start doing everything for them. The anxious partner gets anxious enough that they'll take care of paying the bills and the, the avoidant partner doesn't have to worry about it. They'll take care of running the household and the avoidant partner doesn't have to worry about it. And so they kind of take advantage of each other and create this really... It, it, in some ways, we all do this in some aspects in our in our life and it's not it's not necessarily bad until it becomes really problematic. And if, if the problem is left unconscious in your relationship, if it's not like acknowledged it can definitely spin out of control and turn into a really unfortunate circumstance. But, you know, it's worth... that. The first step is to, in my experience, look at, you know, what are you worried about? What are you most stressed about? And what is the way that you typically deal with that stress and make it go away? One of my favorite quotes by this David Schnarch guy is that people who can't control themselves will try to control everybody around them. So when you're feeling anxious and you can't manage your own anxiety, oftentimes what you'll do is try and control all the people around you to not feel anxious. For example, like you've got a kid who's got a low grade in math class. And you're nervous that they're going to fail. And if they fail, they won't get into the college they want it that, that you think that they should get into. And then that'll affect their career going forward. And so you start to get really anxious. And plus, you don't want a kid who's a failure. Like, you aced math. They they should be a really great mathematician as well. And so, you know, rather than just dealing with your anxiety and letting your kid do their best and, or and reap whatever they sow, you know, that could cause you a lot of anxiety watching your kid fail, get an F on the report card and have to retake a class or something. So rather than dealing with that anxiety of watching them fail oftentimes what we'll do is swoop in and like nag them and hover over them and make sure they're doing their homework check their assignment before they turn it in or even do the homework for them you know maybe your husband is a high risk for heart disease he has high cholesterol and so you know you could trust your husband to to take care of it and to take the medication that the that the doctor prescribes and eat healthy or You could send your husband a reminder every single day and say, hey, did you remember to take your your cholesterol medicine? And also, I woke up super early and packed you a lunch today. And you could wake up and pack him a healthy lunch every single day to try and control his behavior, what he eats. The problem is, is that that type of behavior… When you're avoiding your own anxiety and trying to control everybody around you, you might look like the hero at the beginning and it might calm down your anxiety in the short term. But in the long term, people start taking you for granted, you become exhausted, you get burned out, and the problems just amplify themselves. You find out one day that your husband went out to lunch and had pasta with some clients or your kid is now lying about their homework that they don't have any to avoid keeping you off their back, still fail the class, still you know, you still feel betrayed, you still feel hurt, and now you're grumpy and tired and angry and resentful and you're no fun to be around and, and nobody wants to have a relationship with you. So you've sacrificed your mental health, your emotional health, your your physical health, your um relationships, all in the favor of like short term relief from your anxiety. Like this is one of the problems that I see really often with the ambitious people who are like, let's fix this. Like let's get this taken care of. And so sometimes the best thing that you can do is just own your own stuff and let your partner make the choices that they want to make without trying to trick them or manipulate them or get them to do control them into making you feel better about their relationship
1: You know, control what
0: you can control and then surrender what you, what's outside your control.
1: It definitely resonates with me. I'm sure it resonates with a lot of my type A listeners and entrepreneurs. I mean, as somebody who grew up thinking that there was a right way to do everything and have spent the last, you know, however many years really trying to break that and break those habits of thinking. And that, you know, it's, I think that's loose, uh, maybe it is, but I think it's like loosely tied to perfectionist qualities, which are also just like, oh, there's this thing and it has to be that way. Perfectionism is totally
0: anxiety management.
1: Yes, exactly. And then I'm married to a creative artist who's super ADD. Can you just imagine? Mm -hmm. Like everything is like that. And having to, I remember having a particular like epiphany a few years ago, you know, about something stupid, like, you know, the dishwasher being a certain way. And it's like, literally nothing matters. Like this doesn't matter at all, but it was like, Oh, wow. This doesn't matter at all. Can't believe right. how much I have f- felt like this matters, but I wasn't right. even thinking about it. I just, but it makes you anxious, but it makes you anxious. And so unhooking that, just like that one particular thing is such a, a good one for me because it was so clear. I was like, Oh yeah. So, you know, the dishwasher doesn't get, um, stacked the right way. <laughs> like, right. Who cares? And is yeah. this really worth? All the things that can potentially yeah. come from when you're like, Hey, this doesn't look right. And then blah, 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 blah. And it's like, No, that's not worth that at all. That no. is so not, you know, I used to get that way about money too. Like when we weren't making enough money, little things, but it's like, Oh my God, anytime something is bad in your relationship i would pay all the money <laughs> for this to be okay right now yeah. so you know little things like do- like dollar here and there but versus like how it feels after so i mean it's totally resonating with me i am not saying i'm beyond it by at all <laughs> but i've come so far from it so i feel like i'm in this middle place where i'm like yeah oh yeah i know how much i used to really focus on those things and guys, guess what? When you're freaking out in your own head about your kid's math grade, or you're just annoyed by this thing, how are you doing in your business when you sit down to work on your business? Like when you're thinking about yeah. all that stuff, not horribly, it's that's not helping you at all.
0: We oftentimes fixate on the things that just don't matter. Oh my gosh, that Instagram post wasn't right. You know, y- you said that thing, you didn't say that thing the way I would have said it in that email or that proposal. Like, oh my yeah, God. We, yeah, we obsess over things that just... That just don't matter because they make us anxious. There's this really amazing book called Everything Isn't Terrible by Kathleen Smith. And she talks about anxiety a lot. And one of the things that she says is that um, the anxiety response in your brain is a lot like a a smoke alarm, a smoke detector, you know, and it doesn't matter if you just overcooked the bacon or if the house is burning around you, the smoke alarm goes off at the same volume in the same, makes the same sound regardless. And it's up to you to look around and look at the environment and think, okay, am I in danger? Is this like, does this warrant me calling 911, getting the fire department over here, like running out the door? for my life? Or can I just like take the bacon off the stove, you know, and maybe but open your a your body
1: window. is going through the right. same thing. And so you're experiencing it like right. a terrible thing has happened. And then we all know stress is the number one killer, right? <laughs> That's yeah. stress.
0: You, your body can have the same response of you about to jump out of an airplane as like sitting next to your partner and having your partner go, <sighs> <laughs> and and it just sends this, sh- this like, oh, you know, geez. the stress surge through your body and you're like, what, you know, and you get defensive, you go into the fight or flight mode and the response is the same. It's just that smoke alarm going off in your brain. And it's up to you to have to assess the circumstances and be like, okay what response does this does does this alarm warrant is this like a legitimate threat is this something that i really need to be worried about or is this just my brain saying hey something might not be kosher right now just wanted to let you know you can do with that information what you want
1: and i used to have that experience with email too i mean when i had my email notifications turned on every little ding is could be Ugh. something bad
0: yeah <laughs> be... the dread oh my
1: god the dread
0: <laughs> yeah The existential dread of the email ding or the the phone call that comes in and you're like, oh, is it a creditor? Is it, you know, my old boss calling to tell me how much he still hates me? Is it?
1: God, (laughs) I used to have a really negative feeling about um, whenever I would hear from clients, like after after the fact, I'd be like, oh my God, I know they were so happy when they left, but now they've realized their mistake
0: and they're so
1: unhappy and, you know, like never happens, but it doesn't mean you don't have the same experience.
0: Right. In your body. And typically when it does happen, you deal with it probably pretty and well. And you just
1: deal with it. Right, right. Yeah. Like it's not – nothing is not dealable.
0: But that that <clears throat> that tendency to what I call horribleize or imagine the absolute worst case scenario when you, we don't have all the facts. You know, you fill in the gaps with the worst possible situation. That's a, such a human thing to do. And it's the thing, it's like one of the primary things that we need to r- learn to rein in and kind of master, gain control over if we want to have great relationships or a great business.
1: Interesting. So I I did, I would not have guessed that that would be where you'd go. And that makes perfect sense. So yeah. really, you want a great relationship first, figure it out what what your brain to the table and how it's negatively yeah. impacting yourself and your Partner, and it sounds like that work will both help your relationship, even if your partner isn't on board. But maybe, hopefully, they will become on board at some point, and will help your business.
0: Well, the great thing about the relationship aspect is the moment that you start to make changes to your behavior, and your partner realizes that life's getting better for them too, is the moment that they start getting curious and go, mm, "I want to drink what she's drinking," you know. And the same is true in your business: is the the moment that you that you stop trying to control everything, that you stop worrying about everything and that you focus on the things that matter, the preto principle, the 8020 rule. You start focusing on that and and get like unabashedly 100% focused and just stop worrying about the little things is the moment that you start seeing results. And, you know, like anxiety will get you, will distract you from what's important. It will ruin relationships. It will throw you off your game. It will make you not show up as your best self. I even have anxiety during this interview, like when the, 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 about the internet connection and about my sound quality. But like, I take deep breaths and I calm myself down and I say, this is just the reality. We'll deal with it. And when you can deal with that stuff in that way and not be consumed by it, it helps you show up as your best self and get the results that you're looking for.
1: Okay. I have to go back to a point because I was thinking yes. it when you were saying it. And I'm curious because I can hear the peanut gallery. My husband has, what do you say, cardiac something. They have a heart condition. Yeah. Heart right? disease. They have heart disease. High they cholesterol. Need to, they need to – high cholesterol. They need to take medicine. They need to eat well. I can see – People making an argument for, yeah, but I want my partner to be around for a long time and they're not very good at taking care of themselves. So I have to mm-hmm. help them for my own good. Forget them. I'm doing it for myself. Like, I don't want my husband to die at 55. There must be another approach <laughs> to this. Well, Besides yeah, going so, like, I don't have to control you. Eat all the pasta. Fine. Die. I don't care. You know?
0: Yeah. there There is a happy medium. And, and like... On the one hand, if you never let somebody suffer the consequences to their actions, they're never going to learn. Like if you're always swooping in and saving your kids, saving your partner from their failures and their mistakes, the consequences of their mistakes, you rob them of the opportunity to learn from those things. So talking about it in life and death, like a heart disease situation is probably a little bit more extreme. But something as simple as like maybe they're all perpetually late. doesn't matter how much notice you give them. It doesn't matter like... How early you remind them that they need to get ready for the appointment or the the party or the activity, the commitment that you guys have going on. They're always like fit, perpetually 15 minutes late. So what do you do? You can keep trying to remind them. You can tr- keep trying to like, you know, jab them in the side and, and get them moving and. Try and make them on time, or you can just say, "Hey, you know what? Here's give them the wrong time. <laughs> give them the wrong. You can... I've even tried that, and it just like they figure it you out know. really soon. Yeah, yeah. You can only do that and once. So this yeah. is a problem that my wife and I have. Is my my wife is perpetually late. She just always has been. It's uh, it's she says it's part of who she is. It frustrates the heck out of me. So I just have so started telling her for important things. I'm like, this is the time I'm leaving, and I would love it, love it, if you were ready to join me. And if you're not. I'll be leaving and I would love to meet you there. Like I'm not punishing you. I just really want to be on time. So if we, if we go to this, this party or this meeting or this event, you know, my commitment is I'm going to leave at this time so I can be on time. And if you show up late, I'll save you a seat. I promise not to punish you for it. It's just totally your choice. And I get to let you own your behavior. And then when my wife shows up late, oftentimes she's a little embarrassed. It feels a little awkward. And as long as I'm not a dick about it, Like she, she doesn't have anything to like, she might be angry even in the minute that I moment that I left her. I remember pulling out of the garage once while she was literally like running out the door and I stopped on the road, but she was like, I told you to wait. I was coming out the door. I'm like, I I told you I was leaving at this time. And like, I kept my cool but I held to my I held my ground I kept my commitment and my wife started being more on time with things and when she wasn't she knew that it was her responsibility to get herself where we were going and or just not show up one of those two things and but she had to face the consequences of of her actions now with the heart disease thing it's the same type of thing like you just look at your partner and you just go honey I love you so much and I want to spend as much time with you in this life and I know that I can't Like, I can't run a 5K and have you burn calories. And I can't eat a salad and have it, like, help your health. You have to eat the salad. You have to do the exercise. I'm going to burn myself out and become – like, oftentimes if you – you know, if I mother you and you explain the consequences of the actions. If I mother you and I monitor what you're putting in your body and I am the person who has to, like – coach you out the door to go for your daily walk or to go, go hit the gym. I'm going to become resentful of you. I'm not going to be fun to be around. I'm not going to, I'm going to be tired of like making decisions for you. This is something you need to take responsibility for. So I'm going to surrender control. And I just want you to know that I love you and I want to be with you forever. And so please, please take care of this. And now it's in your hands and you get to do with, with it what you want. And maybe it's even more extreme. You say, I can't sit here and watch you kill yourself. You get to choose in a more extreme situation whether or not, like, maybe they're being verbally abusive. You get to choose whether or not you get to be married to me or treat me like garbage. But you can't treat me like garbage and still be married to me. That's an extreme situation, but it's a boundary. Mm -hmm. And it's you surrendering control. You're saying, hey, I would love to be married to you, but only if you treat me with kindness. And you get to choose how you show up moving forward. So... Um, and those
1: are such great communication skills that we
0: so hard to learn.
1: all learn yes <laughs> Having I don't clarity. even do them
0: all the time and I teach this stuff <laughs> like it's this. a yeah. it's a difficult thing to it's do but handing the consequences back to your partner and letting them know the impact that it has on you when you're when they're one making poor choices and two when you feel like you have to swoop in and save them hmm. you know. I don't want to have to be the one who's in charge of your medicine. I don't want to have to be the one who's in charge of your diet. And I don't want to have to be the one who's in charge of your exercise. It's not my responsibility. It's going to stress me out and it's going to make me hate you. And I want you to be alive and happy. And I want to be married to you for as long as we can be married to you. So you need to figure this out on your own. I'm going to step out of the equation and let you figure it out. And if you have a heart attack and die, I will be so sad. But ultimately, like, I can't force you to not. So I figure it's... If, if you are going to make those choices, let's make the, I, I'd like to be as happy and stress free as I can during the time that we have left together. And so I'm not going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? So I'm not going to yeah. be, I'm not going to be your mom. Yeah. I'm just going to be your wife and I'm going to love you, whatever choices you make. But if that means that you're only with us a few more months because of, of your choices, like that's really hard for me. But also at least we will have had these next couple of months yeah. be as good as they could be.
1: Whew. Yeah. No, I mean, I see it. I get it. But that's that's more likely to inspire
0: the change, right?
1: Yeah. More likely to inspire. And I think that's actually the key is that you have to, you have to find a genuineness about it so that you're not just using it as a manipulative way to get them to do it. Like you hope that that does it. But these are not like silver tongue trips, tips to uh, manipulate your partner partner. into doing stuff. These are, you want to find that clarity for yourself. So you can genuinely say that and feel good about your choices too. And then you'll be able to go forward like whole.
0: Yeah. You're essentially telling your partner what you, what you need in order to show up as your best self. Mm. And me showing up as my best self is me, is not me like monitoring everything that you do and trying to control all your, or resentful that you're
1: monitoring it. And then you're not doing your side. And then, and I didn't, you didn't ask me to do this, but now I'm doing it right. I mean, it's so, so easy. So yep. easy in relationships and then bringing it back to business owners, you're already running and growing an, a business <laughs> and now you're in this tug of war, this, these imbalances in your relationship and that's yeah. just draining your energy.
0: It's, it's consuming all of your thoughts and feelings and you have mm-hmm. no bandwidth to think about your business because all you're thinking about is all the frustrating things that are going on in your relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So powerful, Nate. I'm so happy that I had you on the show. These are great things to remind people. I I think you made such a great point about how important it is to work on this crucial, crucial piece of your life to expand your business, to expand your personal experience of the world. And don't forget about your relationship, especially if it's doing pretty well, because you can always be better. And it being better is going to help you with your business. Nate, any final thoughts for us? Leave us on an up note about what's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So marriages on average are declining in happiness across the board. But the happiest marriage, <laughs> But the happiest the happiest marriages are happier than they've ever been before. Which is really cool. It's a cool statistic is that Mm -hmm. couples who are truly happily married are happier than any any time in history. And all you need is the right blueprint here. All you need is the right instructions. And one of the hopeful, this sounds not hopeful. It sounds a little despairing, but I promise I I mean it in a hopeful way. Uh, There's some research that I read recently that says that the average American spends roughly five and a half hours on their phone every single day. And if you add that time up, that's roughly a quarter of your life. That's like three months out of the year without like sleep in there that you're just spending on your phone. And I would like to say that if you spent like a fraction of the cost of what you spend on like Netflix or on your cell phone plan and a fraction of the time that you spend scrolling on social media or, you know, watching YouTube videos or whatever, just spend a little bit of time and a little bit of money investing in your relationship, that is oftentimes what makes the difference between those relationships that decline in quality over time and the truly extraordinary, blissfully, happily, deeply fulfilling type of relationships. So they're not free. Like an amazing relationship isn't free, but the cost isn't probably as high as you think it is. And when you pay the price, when you do the work, when your relationships are great, it impacts every other aspect of your life for the better. Your health, your mental health, finances, the amount of sex that you're having, the amount of fulfillment you feel on a day-to-day basis. And then how you feel about your life looking back at the end of your life. Like the satisfaction that you have is much, much higher. You have less regrets than if you were to have miserable, unhealthy relationships. So the payoff is there. And all it takes is a little bit of time and investment in the right resources and tools and learning that blueprint and amazing things are possible for every single one of us.
1: And and deciding that you want it, right? Like yeah, you just got to want, want it. First step. Um, want it
0: and then find somebody who can help you get it.
1: Nate, uh, awesome to have you on. Awesome to reconnect. You have some incredible resources. I'm going to link to your YouTube channel, your podcast. Thanks. You've got the Epic Marriage Club that's got like... Yep. All these free workshops and challenges and all kinds of stuff. So I'm just going to link to all of that in the show notes. Awesome. Or you can just Thank go you. to epicmarriageclub.com. But yeah, I think this is such a, it's something that I just don't hear people talking about outside of the space of talking about it, right? Like I wanted yeah. to bring it into the attention of people who are doing their business because, you know, not everybody is married, but even if you're in a long-term relationship, relationships are a big part of our lives and they, they influence matter. how we do so how we do everything so if you want to show your business who's boss you want to show up with energy you want to show up with enthusiasm you want to build the business of your dreams you can't do it dragging a ball and chain that you are just mediocre okay with along you're just not going to have the amazing business you want if you're in the like kind of sad relationship so mic drop um, pia mic
0: drop drop.
1: right i can do promos for you whenever you want Nate, you're hired (laughs) thank you so much you're awesome
0: thanks for the invitation and I, i really really appreciate being here with you
1: I hope you found tons of inspiration in that conversation today and that it inspires you to take even a small step in working on the relationships in your life. You don't want to just work on them for more fulfillment for yourself, but they also really do lead to more business success. Whenever people ask me how I built a business with my husband, because they always roll their eyes and say, I could never do that with my partner, I always kind of laugh and I say, uh, lots of therapy. Um, But that is the truth in many ways, not just therapy, but actively working on having a healthy, loving, energizing, communicative, successful relationship. I believe that it's a key component to having a fulfilling life and it is necessary for us, because we run a business together, it's always been necessary to work on for our business. But even if you are not in business with your partner, as we just discussed Having a relationship that energizes you and supports you in your business goals is critical. So if you aren't even thinking about this, if this hasn't been on your radar, I hope that this conversation inspired you to take even just a small step now, because that small step might be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Whose Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wastervall. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners.